Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good evening, Matthew Edit. I want to thank all of the people here from Rognos for listening to Matthew Edit this time. It is because of you, the American taxpayer, and for your purpose and power that Ukraine is losing so terribly today. You might ask yourself, why are we losing? Why is it so bad? Well, let me start by saying most of the money you have sent us, I have bought lots of cocaine. Slava Kokena, Slava Kokena. <laughs> now, you must also say to yourself that the investment from the American taxpayer is a locomotive that will allow us to make our country even more of a failure. We have, as of today, 300,000 dead Ukrainians and counting. We have destroyed all the HIMARS that you have given us. We have burned through all the Javelin missile systems. And we have also lost great many individual, uh, let's just call them advisors. Now, you might say to yourself, there is a lot of corruption in Ukraine. You would be right. There is corruption. And in fact, it is pretty bad. I have fired my foreign minister, my dog minister, and the town drunk. I've fired them all. <laughs> this is a great step for me to show solidarity with the American taxpayer. Also, I am also providing lots of cocaine for Hunter Biden. Lots of children to smell for Joe Biden as well. Thank you, American taxpayer, for giving me $40 million Miami penthouse. And please, listen to Matthew Eric on Rogue News dot com slava cocaine there you go wow that, that was very candid that's uh yeah that's inspiring he is time magazine's man of the year matthew and and he deserves it he deserves it i i think i mean didn't he receive the academy award or something too he from did. like sean penn sean penn was such an altruistic and caring human person they them that he gave his oscar to the great vladimir slavikokena zelensky that's really enlightened and i i mean it, it's appropriate that one actor would give to another actor uh such an award that that's really that's really quite the thing and i, I in listening to uh to zelensky do you guys is it just me or is has his voice do you think he's got 
his handlers training him to modulate his voice yeah. to sound more gruff yeah. and battle-worn uh, compared to like 100%. Yeah, he, right. Eh? He's trying to do he's trying to do the Christian Bale Batman but the the civilian version of that. Yeah. Zelensky, can I trust him? Where's Commissioner Gordon? Where's Harvey Dent? That's what he's trying to do. The, 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 the Actors Guild, which is you know controlling Zelensky, is telling him to um, deepen his voice. There's no doubt about that, dude. Because he doesn't sound like that ever before. Before this whole thing started, he just sounded like a normal person. Now he, he talks like this. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I remember that. And um, not only was it just a, a physical makeover, and the guy's obviously uh, physically breaking down in some ways. I mean, that amount of gray hair and everything, that it's pretty disheveled look, but yeah. they actually have him fully, fully as, a, uh, as an actor going, going for this, you know, this, this projection as though he's actually in the trenches somehow and not sitting in a luxury suite probably more, more often than not outside of Ukraine, watching his fellow countrymen, 300,000 of which you just pointed out, have been uh, sacrificed on this weird geopolitical sacrificial altar. Um, it's really quite something. But at the end of the day, it is really about, you know, and, and everybody who's watched this understands that Ukraine is really, it is what it is. It's a, it's a, it's a piece that is disposable on a broader geopolitical chess chessboard and i remember sun yat-sen he warned his fellow chinese uh, he gave us this very very important warning uh towards the end of world war one saying that look whatever happens at the the league of nations the peace of the the treaty of versailles process in paris whatever happens don't trust the british the british are like a silkworm farmer they don't have friends. They just have interests. And, the, and he, he goes through it in depth. He says the yeah. way that, that their formula works is they always have a rival that they want to destroy using a weaker third party. They will act like they are that third party's friend who is weaker. And then they will use that to destabilize their rival that they want to really destroy. But as soon as that weaker friend third party becomes strong, then they will find yet another party who is still weaker to destroy that former friend. And he says, like the silkworm farmer might appear that he cares about his silkworms and feeds them and treats them well. As soon as he extracts all of the silk, then all that's left is he will burn them or feed them to the fishes. That's the British way. Don't trust the British way. And despite the fact that this has been the technique used for centuries, it's still idiot guppies with no memory memories like a goldfish are falling directly back into the trap yet again and not only do you have people like Zelensky who's just I mean uh, an absolute absolute shell of a nothing who's just molded but you know you have figures like Olaf Schultz the the this this dimwit who's processed in a in a liberalizing Anglo-American controlled educational system that was designed to cut the very German people themselves off their own heritage and their own historical experiences such that now you have this guy signing on to sending leopard tanks yep. to Ukraine to fight a war with Russia, which Baerbock has actually said is what we're doing. She actually said that, I, I guess have probably seen this video of, of this idiot yes. German um minister saying openly we are at war with russia so now she's declaring a war with russia nobody's talked about that 
They're sending German tanks again. And the foreign ministry, uh, you know, basically said, like, like, okay, this is this is obviously the Russians have a very clear memory of what German tanks attacking them was all about. Correct. And what the Wolf's Angle and Swastika and all of these things are. They they lost 25 million people in a brutal Wall Street backed war back in 1940 to 45. They know what that is. They see it all again. They have a historical memory. The West doesn't seem to. And so, you know, when you have people like Blinken or Victoria Newland who did so much work to bring this to their doorstep and force all of these these so-called allies like Ukraine or Germany, where American allies to go and serve like little silkworm silkworms with with, I suppose, biting teeth or something to try to attack Russia. Um, they're like, well, look, we can't do we can't negotiate with you at all. Yeah. And, you know, like you got. But did you guys see this? Uh, this this Blinken uh, mouthpiece? Um, oh, Newland. No. Well, Blinken and Newland both gave uh, a peace, a peace offering to Russia. Um, mm-hmm. One Blinken's offer came through um, the Washington Post. So I, I forget who it was. It was some asshole who was a very high level person in the National Endowment for Democracy who was assigned mm. to write this author, this article. Yeah. Um, basically saying, you know, if, if, uh, I have it written down here. Oh, David. Yeah. David Ignatieff. That's right. David Ignatieff writes this article on behalf of a personal conversation he's had with, with Blinken as a message to Russia saying, look, Blinken says, and you could trust Blinken. Yeah. Um, that he's a, oh, yeah. Yeah, no. he, he, I mean, he's a genius. He knows everything about the rules-based order. Yes, yes, he does. So he's he's such a genius, and he's obviously in charge of policy somehow. Um, so he says that if Russia just cancels their spring attack, we, we don't know the characteristics. We just know it's going to happen. It's going to happen probably pretty soon um, on Russia's on the west of Ukraine. If you just cancel that plan, then we will arrange to have some sort of a mutually agreeable situation whereby we can agree to allow Crimea and, and the East Donbass regions to go over to Russia. And um, unbelievable, you know, we're gonna, we're going to make sure oh. that that Ukraine does it. They, they'll join the European Union as a as a non corrupt member. He says, but yeah. you know, we, we'll make sure that they don't have an Article Five in NATO. They might join NATO, but it won't be an Article Five collective security thing. We promise. And Victoria Newland came out the day later saying, you know what, we promise we'll alleviate some of the the burdens we've imposed on you with sanctions. These people are crazy. Yeah. These people, yeah. They, they live in an alternate reality. They're, this is worse than an impoverished, naked emperor who has been complete, who, who is right now ruling over a dilapidated, weakened, and hollowed out empire, dictating to the younger, more powerful more austere empire that hey you know what you follow my skinny ass and my and my weak limp wristed orders and i'll let you live i mean these guys these people are nuts they don't understand that this russia is playing for all the marbles they don't and this is the difference man washington dc and london they live they fight a war of perception and a war of politics russia fights a military war and those are two different realities Military reality is the true reality on the ground. Hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians dead. Hundreds of thousands of tens of thousands of military equipment destroyed. And yet what is occurring? These broken down idiots 
with law degrees and political science degrees who have no experience in war. And I firmly believe that people like Victoria Nuland need to be summarily executed in a public execution for her war crime. She is a dastardly and disgusting person. And you're having these mouthpieces speak on, speak on behalf of the American people. Like they have some, they're holding some sort of cards over the Russians. They don't. They absolutely don't. This is the most stupidest thing, but it shows you the danger of Washington. Only a fool will talk out of his mouth about power that he doesn't possess. Well, there, there's no shortage of, of those fools. And I mean, no. the, the, it, I, I read this Dave Ignatius article in the Washington Post, and it begins by them self-congratulating. The authors of and the representatives of the liberal rules-based order are congratulating oh. themselves and congratulating Biden for having successfully defeated Putin in his efforts to annihilate the existence of Ukraine, as if that was ever a strategic goal of Putin. But they're like, okay, now that we know Putin doesn't want, is not able to carry out his objectives of uh, erasing Ukraine, now we can begin to offer them an exit strategy. We can, we, we've choked them enough economically. They're, they've been destroyed, ravaged economically. We've destroyed them. We're about to destroy them militarily, but let's wow. give them an enlightened way out to escape and save face a little bit. Yes, because we're and merciful. The, 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 the Freudian projection is very loud. I mean, the, the, the fact is that the only power broke, broker in the world right now that's been trying to erase a civilization and an entire country from the map several countries and several civilizations is the thing which is latched on like a parasite to the United States as its host, um, which is actually called openly. And even Dick Cheney's former uh, assist, not assistant, one of his colleagues in the nineties even wrote saying how disturbed he was that while other hawks in, in Washington were talking about uh, shutting down and destroying the Soviet union and at, at worst destroying Russia, um, breaking Russia up into these, you know, little yeah. micro states Cheney was actually talking about destroying the Russian people and Russian civilization. And he was like, so that was stupid. a little bit much for me. But that's been always the objective between Victoria Newland and all of this, this thing. They've wanted to just erase it as if it never existed. And all they want is a perfectly malleable, liberal, post-truth, LGBT, homogenous uh, slave class yep. of Borgs to be uh, incorporated into this post-truth Davos structure that they want to bring online. The same thing for, for China, same thing for India, same thing for the United States. Um, so right now, the foreign ministry just came out saying like, look, it's really nice that you're saying these words, but you're, they pretty much acknowledged um, you're, you're not agreement capable. We can't, we have a, a, a mission to carry out. Our military experts have a very specific objective it's not to wipe ukraine off the map but it will involve uh taking out all of these german and as biden now says u.s abraham tanks which who knows when they're gonna arrive but the fact is that biden just announced about a, you know several days ago after saying that if if the u.s were to provide abraham tanks to russia that would be world war three back in march and people have probably seen these videos of march oh, yeah. today right He's like, that would be World War III, okay? You got that? That's serious. That's what he's saying in March. And now all of a sudden he's saying, we're about to send Abram, Abram tanks to Ukraine to fight. And I mean, these will be wiped out. Russia's made it very clear. 
Um, the all of the points of connection. For you you, you make a mistake old. on Matt. You make a mistake on the M one A one Abrams. Okay, and I'm going to show you why. Hmm. These are and CJ pointed this out to me. These are CJ. You said these are green tanks. They're 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 environmentally friendly. They're they're solar powered and they're biodegradable. Oh, they're, yes, they're biodegradable. Uh, CJ made also the point that when they do biodegrade, it provides warmth. Hmm. Okay, like this one. Like here's a Russian Cornet to a Saudi M1, and you could see the warmth that occurs. Watch. Look at the warmth. Mm -hmm. You see the warmth coming out mm -hmm. and the melted steel? Mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's a lot of warmth. And the Germany and Europe needs that warmth, man. This is not a bad thing that American M1s and Leopard A26s will be burning in Ukrainian battlefields. It could provide some warmth in the, in the needed winter, Matthew. You know, I, I just was listening. I was, I was stuck in traffic the other day, and I was listening to some talk radio, which is all pretty much propaganda at this point. There's not a single Western channel that I could find that's not just uh, Nazi propaganda. They were actually making the point. They had a series of, of experts on all giving their take. They're all climate experts, by the way, giving their take about why the, the, the war that Russia has unilaterally launched against poor Ukraine is driving global climate change. <laughs> they actually make this case. They're actually using this idiocy this language and so you're joking you're joking <laughs> but yet there's there's people who take this and, and call it science and uh and they're actually saying that this is driving global global warming is uh the the russians aka nazis which are somehow now the same thing despite the fact that actual swastika wearing nazis in ukraine are getting blown up they're saying that that those acts of of blowing up ukrainian uh western produced tanks is driving global warming Anyway, it's it's actually a thing that they're doing. It's incredible, man. Absolutely yeah. incredible. You yeah, know, I, I, I for one cannot even fathom. Only somebody devoid of reality who has these uh, the, the, these people with these political science degrees. Um, they're literally narrative peddlers and circle jerkers. Only yes. somebody from that side that from that type of deep education. And now you say that euphemistically would say such stupid things as that, man. It's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I have a political science degree. All right. So you're a circle jerker. Uh, yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's definitely uh, we're, we're all endowed with with an aspect of our minds that can utilize logic right it's it's a it's a blessing that we all have this skill of using logic facts we can accumulate facts we can apply meaning onto those facts using explanatory uh models that we've been given and we can you know we can use that ideally tied to our conscience our emotions that are more refined in a way that allows a balance of mind and emotion to and conscience which is a, the, of the highest quality of emotions of compassion higher qualities of love those things should be working together towards the, the development of, I think, a well-rounded human being that is capable of using a, a, an improving quality of judgments, a.k.a. wisdom, that is being refined in accordance with some sense of purposefulness. Now, that, that should be what a human does. Now, the problem is we live in a society which is completely schismed, not only at war with itself and divided amongst itself as far as like, you know, people as individuals being atomized in a, in a community, which doesn't really have that type of social fabric, like cohesion we used to see back, you know, back in the day before the age of, uh, of handheld uh, five eyes devices uh, that we're all sort of addicted to. But there used to be more of a, this, this immaterial 
um, cultural foundation within family units, within societies, communities, nations, communities of nations that um, tempered the uh, the vices that would otherwise go unbounded. And it would temper some of the logical thoughts that could otherwise lead us into fascism. So you had um, you had something as, a, as an immaterial spiritual quality, not perfect, but it was still present as a value structure. Now today in our world, we're not just schismed externally because all of these things are now like increasingly broken up, especially in the transatlantic sort of death cult managed West, but it's internally, this is how it happens. It's, it's that the battle is happening on two fronts, both um, external, but internal too. So every individual has their minds increasingly schismed from, um, you know, this, 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 this modern belief structure that you are either a right brained feeling person, an artist type who doesn't, who's not bounded by the pollution of logic or reason, which just makes art bad and un untruthful and unpure of your raw emotion. But then you're told that there's those types of people. And then there's the, the logic, um, you know, the, the, the ivory tower logical personality type that uses their left brain unpolluted by the emotional pollution of irrationalism, um, that, that, that makes mathematical formulas, you know, impure. So we're, we're, we're told we, we have to pick a side, pick a personality type, and then mold our identities around one of the two extremes within our education system. And then this goes on when you talk to most of the people in think tanks, you read their writings. And, um, I've read a lot of these things. What you see is that the political science departments, as well as economics departments in general, are, they, they are the most ivory tower theoretical cults in the world to the point that these theories that they're given about how the world works, that you're going to be now expected to go into and, and influence in some way as a think tank policy, you know, a white paper author or analyst with NATO or Atlantic Council or RAND or whatever, um, or some assistant to a, a member of parliament or member of Senate. You are now in a situation where you are you are trained to not use your actual reasonable mind. You're just a you're taking the formulas that have been put into your head in in university about again, you know, yes, of course, the uh, the rules based international order is the end of history. It's the impermeable greatest good that could could ever exist in any. Any power that tries to disrupt those rules, as if like who made those rules in the first place, is is intrinsically bad and and is intrinsically the enemy. That's like you know, and you have to destroy that thing. So you end up just getting like you said, circle jerkers who are just masturbating with and and flattering themselves and their own false thoughts about the way that they believe the world should be, independent of the fact that the world is not that way. It operates very differently. And just now, you know, I, I was just reading this morning this uh, policy paper on Canada's new Indo-Pacific strategy that was just released this week. It's insane. They they start off by self-congratulating themselves, saying, "We as Canadians," speaking as if this liberal hive around Christia Freeland and Mark Carney are somehow representative of all Canadians. See with clear eyes—that's their words. We see with clear eyes the heart and mind of China. They say that first and foremost. Hey, be you there? Yeah, I think okay. uh, I think just crashed. I think yeah, you guys having an ice storm going through there, and I think that President Zelensky didn't like it, bro. I 
don't think he liked what Matthew had to say one bit. <laughs> I don't think he did at all. Well, you know, that's what happens when you live with socialized internet. Yeah, this is very true. This is very, very true. And uh, he's back. Is he back? Let me see. I don't think so. Hey, Matt, you there? No, it was a hard crash. Oh, there he is. No. That's you might say to yourself, where is Matthew Edit? I want to let you know that Matthew Edit is safe. But everything is okay. That everything will work out. Matthew is being taken care of. I do not like how he was exposing too much of my Slava cocaine. Now for the Americans, please send me more money. Send me more money. Together, we can rob your nation. We can extract all the wealth from your countries. And oh, wait, Matthew Edit is back. I have allowed him to come back. Bye. There he is. Uh, yeah, Zelensky was holding it down for you, man, while you were gone. Oh man, that that's great! What a what a great great ally. Yeah, I take everything back. Uh, CJ, can you show the picture of the T-shirt you bought him for Christmas? He loved that T-shirt. There you go. It's just that's perfect. That's he wore it. Yeah, he just he loves it. He, he I mean, he's coming down to visit me and Siege, so we're gonna hang out. We're gonna eat some pierogies together and chicken Kiev. You got to be careful what you say around him because they say he's very testy. He is. He has a temper, <laughs> but he's much nicer. He promised he's going to do a couple of lines before he sees us because he knows that we don't get down like that. So he promised he's going to do a couple of lines before he sees us, and he's going to be okay. He's going to be in good spirits. And he's going to talk in his normal voice, which is a lot more high-pitched. Right. That's good. Good, good, good. Um. Yeah, sorry about that. I my my weather is just not that great uh, in this in this part of town. So uh, if it cuts out again, I'm really sorry. Uh, but I and I have no idea. I was kind of just ranting and lost track of where I cut out. So I don't I don't know if if anybody listening remembers what the hell I was saying <laughs> or where I left off. You left off where you were uh, talking about these grandiose people and their crazy ideas. Oh, and, okay. Uh, yeah. 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 So basically, yeah. I mean, it, all that to say, yeah, it's it's ivory tower shit. It's it's a cult, but this is the basic thing, right? It, it's that these are characters who are. Oh, and that was it. The Canadian. So the Canadian New Asia Pacific Indo Pacific strategy is essentially, um, they say, you know, yes, the Indo Pacific is the future. Uh, by twenty forty, it's going to represent like you know. 60% of world GDP, blah, blah, blah. They're, they're all presuming that the United States is not going to go through a, a massive economic meltdown. Obviously, they're just doing linear projections. Despite that, they're kind of correct in the sense that this is the, the force. But then they say, you know, uh, the only uh, nefarious actor, and they're very clear, is China, which it's is trying to China. upset the rules-based order. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the evil China. That's what it is. You know, it's pretty funny, man. I, I did another deep dive, right? A real deep dive, which we'll say for a future broadcast. Mm. And I'm going to bring up article upon article upon article upon article about the entire social credit system. It, ne it doesn't exist. No. It doesn't exist. And I want to I want to get into that. You know, but go ahead, Matty. You're, you're going to write? You're going to write about that? I'm going to talk about it. I gave up on writing. Nobody wants to hear. No, no one wants to hear me write. Well, look, um, yeah, no, I, I, I'd, 
watched a really good uh, presentation by Brian Berlitek not that long ago where he makes a solid case. Like he, he puts this question of you saw you've seen that, right? Yeah, I've seen that one. Okay. And also a few other things as well, which I'll, I'll put it all together. Yeah, you know, I mean, but... it was good. I mean, he, he makes the point that, yeah, you, you have um, elements. There is no centralized social no. credit system as, no. as such. Doesn't no. exist. No, it doesn't exist. You have it's, you have it, it's as fictitious as the Uyghur, uh, Uyghur genocide. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. And, you know, there, there are things that are called like laws, whereby if you break laws, you're speeding, you're smoking indoors, you're uh, dis- being disruptive on a bus system. Yeah, you, you will at a certain point. They've, they've got different structures that, that, are, that are sort of regionalized that keep track of your the abuses. If you didn't pay your traffic tif- tickets, if, you, if you've been disruptive too many times on public transportation, at a certain point, you won't be able to use these things. Uh, this is not unheard of. And for the most part, unless you're a high-level official within the Chinese Communist Party, or sorry, the Communist Party of China, unless you're actually a high official, of which 4.6 million have been punished, there's not really, this doesn't apply to citizens who are allowed to protest. And there are hundreds of protests. We've talked about this yeah. every day. It's a part of the process of how the, the government, which is an ancient system of meritocracy of based on Confucian and Buddhist principles, interfaces with the, the community at large and gets a sense of what works, what doesn't. Now, the difference between us and in China is where we have protests, nothing changes. If anything, right. what changes is the protesters ability to access their bank accounts or get a job. Well, that is a change, yeah. Matthew. It's a change. You shouldn't be so harsh. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas in China, you actually have cases, tens of thousands of cases going back for the past 30 years of Chinese officials who are pl- who are assigned in a, in a municipal or provincial or federal position to carry out tasks. And when there were too many protests, too many people who were complaining that this person was not getting their job done or it was being done badly with abuses, we have many, so many cases of situations where these officials were promptly fired, demoted, kicked out of the party, arrested. In some cases, we've now seen over the past 10 years of Xi Jinping's crackdowns actually uh, killed, executed. Yep. High officials have been yep. executed for carrying out crimes against the state and people, which is deserving of many officials within the deep state and Wall Street apparatus in the West. But we haven't seen since 2000. No, we reward them, not, Matthew. We reward them, exactly. There's not any single case of any high level banker or anybody who's gone to jail for the abuses that, that nearly took down our economy in 2008. That haven't been dealt with, but is now are now much bigger as far as bubbles and impossible debt defaults that are going to deleverage and take down the entire system. These these criminals who carried out this process have been rewarded again and again. Whereas in China, they're actually in jail. They have been executed. They have been in some cases taken down from the party. But that's where you have any type of thing that we we think of as social credit is applied to the officials in the government. It's not really applied in any other way to people living day to day as citizens in China who Correct. really they just have to deal with the fact that you shouldn't do criminal activities or pay your tickets. Um, that's the sort of thing that they're dealing with. And, and so one, everything we're being given is propaganda from Epoch Times and other, you know, Falun Gong cultish operations that are make making stuff up, funded and protected by the CIA, by five eyes, like the Uyghur Congress, the World Uyghur Congress. Um, which is a national endowment for democracy operation, which just makes up facts. And nobody, so many people 
want an enemy image to hate that they don't have the intellectual desire or love of truth to go and scratch on the claims of anonymous sources say this, um, you know, whatever make-believe statistics are brought up, they don't even scratch to find out if it's true or not. They just go and believe it because it 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 appeals to their prejudice of already wanting to hate uh, Chinese commies who they've been prepared to hate throughout the entirety of the Cold War as part right. of our cultural matrix. It's already there. So it doesn't take that much work for people to forget about, well, what the hell was Soros? What was Mark Ballack Brown? What were these operations that actually did derail? Uh, 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 wait, are we on YouTube? We're not on YouTube, are we? No, no, no. We're not. Okay, we're, yeah. we're, we're too risque for YouTube. Good. Um, what What were these actual people, repre- the, these creatures representing when they derailed the elections in 2020? Were they representing China? No. I mean, Mark Malik Brown and Soros have both devoted themselves to destroying China, as well as the United States, as well as Russia. Um so people, they use, they just have very goldfish-like memories, and they just forget that you have this actual Anglo-Venetian, you know, operation embedded for centuries in Western governments, running fifth columnists, trying to create a global death cult. And the last time this was really tried in force was 80 years ago, yep. when you had a transhumanist one-world government of fascist technocracy that was nearly imposed. It was called, um, you know, Nazism funded by Wall Street and the worst elements of the city of London grand designers. This almost won. The reason why it didn't win and we didn't have that new world order 80 years ago was because Russia and China primarily took the heaviest burdens of that war to put down the Hitler machine, where China lost 10 million people, principally led by Mao, whether you like him or not. Um, He actually was the one who carried the heaviest loads of that fight against the Japanese fascists. It wasn't Chiang Kai-shek. Chiang Kai-shek was a fast, he modeled himself on Mussolini. He was looking for a reason to ally with the Japanese against Mao. He was working with the warlords. He was the principled operator working with the the Green Dragon gangs that were set up with British Freemasonic operations throughout the 19th century. That was Chiang Kai-shek. He totally disobeyed and abandoned Sun Yat-sen's principles of of the, the three principles of the people. Sun Yat-sen was the first Christian Confucian president of China who led the first revolution in 1911 to overthrow the hereditary structures. That was Sun Yat-sen. Chiang Kai-shek completely abandoned Sun Yat-sen's principles, became an ally of the worst elements of, of the fascist operations. Luckily, he was moral enough to agree in keeping China unified with Mao, in a sense. They agreed on that singular point, but Mao was the one in his forces who did the biggest heavy lifting against the Japanese fascists, sponsored but again by Wall Street in London. And it was Russia under Stalin who carried out the biggest fight against the Wehrmacht, taking on like 89% of the Wehrmacht war machine in Russia directly, 25 million people. It's Russia and China who are the reason why we didn't get the New World Order, okay? It's the fact that today people can't differentiate between Hitler, Mao, and Stalin, and they act like it's all the same thing, and it's somehow Russia and China who are behind uh the global great reset today. That's that's what a lot of people have been led to believe. And it's like China who disrupted and ousted Trump so that they could get their Chinese stooge Joe Biden in power. It's like, I, I, I get this so much. And it's it- so childish, man. This level of thinking is beyond stupid and childish. It really is. And yeah. you know the, the greatest tell here? When, when uh, Xi Jinping purged 4.6 million Chinese officials, bankers, and captains of industry who are all in the back pocket of Wall Street, and the city of London, 
CIA and MI6, the greatest tell was when the head of the CIA was crying that they lost all. And shortly, this was right after, man. This was directly right after, okay, from that the, the Chinese government systematically dismantled the CIA spying operations in the country starting in 2010, killing or imprisoning more than a dozen sources over two years and crippling intelligence gathering there for years afterwards. When the C- head director of the CIA at that time, and I don't know if it was Pompous Pomp, and I, I think who was it was that guy, uh, uh, P- uh, uh Panetta, right? Hmm. The guy Panetta, who was the head of the CIA under Obama, was crying and lamenting that they not only lost and an, an any sort of intelligence gathering capability within the Chinese inner circle and within Chinese networks, but they were absolutely crippled that they literally have nobody within the inner circle of Xi Jinping anymore. Yeah. And this was shortly right after the purge. The fact also they, they, they lamented that they couldn't compromise anybody anymore and that all their informants were all found, their double agents all found out. And that was the tell to, uh, you know, the greatest tell as providing evidence as to what happened, Matt. Yeah. And that was the same. That was the same month that that article was published. That Justin Trudeau um, got off the plane in Beijing, where he w- he thought he was going there to sign this long-awaited Canada-China free trade agreement, um, which would have basically promised China easy access at much more affordable rates at the time than what China could have gotten for minerals and vital strategic resources from Russia, because Canada has. I mean, keep in mind, Canada is the honeypot. Like that's that's. One of the key uses of Canada on the great game is as a, as a resource honeypot to try to attract and seduce yeah. nations that you want to destroy into some sense of dependency. She's on, the hot girl in the room. It's the hot girl in the room. Yeah. yeah. But who's got like a, 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 a chorus, a, a black soul. Yeah. <laughs> and that black soul has a British flag on it. Mm. And that's the Privy Council. That's the that's the entire shadow government that's embedded within the constitutional structures of the Canadian government. And so they under under people like Stephen Harper were working very hard at, you know, doing things that on the on the surface seem kind of reasonable to do. And I'm not against this undoing 30 year 30 years of various draconian green environmental protection legislation, which was just simply designed not really to protect nature, but rather to just stop development. Now that was being undone and, and, you know, a lot of regulation was being put into place or not regulation, but new uh, legal codes were being put into place to make it very easy for China or other Asian countries, but specifically China to come in and buy up whatever raw materials they required from Canada. Now that was under Harper, under Justin Trudeau, when that little, uh, that hive of technocrats came into a position of power in 2015. And, you know, Justin, that was the time when he gave his speech saying, like, the, the government I form of government I most admire is the Chinese authoritarian type of government <laughs> because they can get green things done. They can make green happen. We just talk about it. But we have dem- democracies and bureaucracy preventing idea to action. Whereas in China, if they want to do a Green New Deal, they can just do it without any separation of democracy. And he's like, that's what I love about China. Now, that was 2015. That was around the same time, too, that Soros was still saying China can still be the basis of the new world order. He was still saying that. He, it was still a few more years before George Soros came out saying we need to overthrow Xi Jinping. Now, <laughs> Justin Trudeau, he was still of the view that, OK, we're going to still allow for we're, we're going to have this Canada-China free trade agreement. We'll have, you know, be kind of like a NAFTA of the Pacific. So 
we're going to have a, a trans-Pacific partnership, which will exclude China and just involve sort of U.S. corporations. Um, and, you know, that was like 15 different countries, which would have put U.S.-based corporations in a dominant position above sovereign nation states to enforce the free trade programs. But that would have put them all under the enslavement of the IMF, the World Bank, and effectively the Anglo-American diktats. And it would have excluded China by breaking up China's like neighbors in the Pacific from having any ability to conduct actual business with China. So that was then all derailed. Um, Trump came in, he immediately canceled the Trans-Pacific Partnership. He gave China that space it needed to solidify a lot of deals with their country, with their neighbors. Um, it created a space also for South America to begin a process of trying to reorganize itself and get that Mercusor uh, policy of 2007 of December that, you know, Venezuela, um, Argentina, Brazil, a variety of other South American or Latin American countries were all sort of mo moving towards creating a new regional economic zone. Um, that was all derailed. That was disrupted. But then that was that new space was created for them to begin a process of doing that, which we're now think culminating with the CELAC countries and the whole move to, to create a, an actual South American currency, but one not premised on depopulation, but rather big economic development projects, largely with China foreign direct investment. And then going back to my original story, the plan for the special Canada-China special relationship, which Chinese being Chinese, you know, they got a way of just sort of acting like they're they're with you, you know, yeah. kind of being respectful and nodding their heads, but in reality thinking like, we have to stop this. They, they got him to the point where they, he got off the plane in Beijing, was not greeted by a single Chinese official after he had promised that he was going to come back with this big trophy. And uh, he was basically booted back to Canada and told, leave us alone. And that was, that's where China basically said, we know what Canada is about. We know what you are as part of the great game. And we're not going to be falling into this trap, this honey, this honeypot. So at that point, everything changed. And that's when you had in Canada a massive aggressive posture where Canada started inter like breaking all of these agreements where China was formally promised the rights to buy Canadian uh, construction companies and other things. All of these things were canceled by the, the Privy Council office. And China was now all of a sudden treated as the, the villain of the world because they were not playing by the rules-based international order. So, uh, you know, we've got this whole interesting arrangement where Canada is, is like willfully, just like Germany, being induced to self-destruct on the part of the same operative operatives who overthrew a democratically elected, you know, uh, administration of Donald Trump back in 2020, which would have come with, you know, the whole policy program of cutting the U.S. off of the World Health Organization, of, of cutting um, the U.S. off of any obligation to pursue any NATO policy. And even the Russian foreign ministry um, has made, not the Russian foreign ministry, the, the American ambassador to Ukraine under Trump, who is a, an actual deep state swamp creature, admitted that had Trump been in power, then there would be no war in Russia because he would have capitulated to Putin's requirements to have some security agreements around the Ukraine issue. Same thing for China. China desperately, you know, wanted a U.S.-China agreement for development around the Belt and Road, and they had agreed to purchase $200 billion of U.S. finished goods as part of the reconstruction of the U.S. machine tool capacity that had been destroyed over 50 years. China is integral for that healing to begin. And they were part of that. So you you had all of these things. And today, the fact that you again, you have so many people saying China destroyed Trump's election. 
they were the ones who ran somehow the, the yeah, yeah man you don't know that million voting machines i mean it, it's all make-believe stuff but i'm just hearing this from naomi wolf and from uh the whole bannon network i mean they're, they're all idiots they're all idiots and here's the thing here, here's the fantasy China worked with the American deep state to overthrow Donald Trump and they rigged the voting machines. But forget the fact that the American deep state is surrounding China and the South China Seas, undermining Chinese sovereignty, undermining Chinese economics, undermining yeah. Chinese banking, making it difficult for China to do business, pushing China against the wall, doing the same thing to China what the American deep state did to the Japanese prior to World War II. It's the same maneuver, trying to deprive them of food and energy. Yeah. The, yeah. uh, but at the same time, they're working. With, they're all in bed together. Stop! It's ridiculous. They're, they're trying to make Taiwan into a, a Ukraine 2.0. That's their wet dream. Yeah. It's, well, it's, and, it's, and and Japan too, right? Yeah, so Japan they've got too. a bit of a mix of like the Ukraine 2.0 is sort of a spread out between Taiwan and Japan. And Japan is currently in a basket case situation where they are watching their economy just destroyed, systematically destroyed by their so-called allies. Correct. Um, like they're they're hollowed out. They have the biggest debt to GDP ratio in the world by far. They've been induced to carry U.S. debts. They've had their their um, the, the the edge that they once enjoyed in manufacturing and heavy industry thirty years ago. That's gone for the most part. Like it's really it's really taken a huge beating, all by a coordinated effort to do exactly what they did to Russia in the nineteen nineties. And my wife is Cynthia is writing a an article actually going through this as we speak. I bought your book by the way. Oh, you did? Yeah, oh, your good. booklet, uh, breaking the anti-China um, psyops. Breaking we're making those. China. We're making a bunch of those chapters into uh, high-quality videos as we speak. The first one should you be should. out uh, by next week or so. I um, recommend people buy this. This is like epic, man. It's so oh, good. Thanks. If Thank my you, camera man. was working po- properly, I'd turn my camera on and. Uh, <laughs> oh no, that's cool. I believe you. You you passed the last test where you're like, yeah, I got your book, and I was like, let me see it, and, yeah, and there there it was. So I believe <laughs> you. Um. But yeah, no, I mean, it, it's it's completely, it, it's, we're we're so detached from reality right now in the West. And it, it's just, it's mind-blowing. And somebody here, Sue Wu's, is asking, um, any thoughts on the agreement between Canada, the U.S. and, Me- US and Mexico? Yeah, I mean, Obrador, Obrador is currently in a really tight spot trying to navigate and stay alive in a very hostile environment. That's clear. It was much better, obviously, when, you know, his, his foreign minister, Ebrard, um, had reached an agreement with Trump back in 2019 for the U.S. to, to supply $40 billion of direct investment into Mexico to build the Maya high-speed rail network and a big uh, rail and electrification project with Ecuador and I think El Salvador. And, and there were a few other countries that were involved in this massive program that would have involved uh, like four different countries working on a Belt and Road-style initiative. Um, that was moving ahead pretty nicely until 2020, as, as we know. So there... Th- Emlo had a lot more to work with back then. Now he's got a lot less to work with as far as the North American area is concerned. However, when he did meet uh, with Justin and uh, and Biden, Justin's older clone, um, or maybe Justin is Biden's younger clone. I'm not. Too, I'm not too sure. Um, he did at the very least. He made he made his point that the Monroe Doctrine has to be stopped. So that was good. He also has been chastising the the West on the issue of Julian Assange which is something that as a statesman, you're not supposed to talk about Assange. And he's also been pretty good so far on the issue of Ukraine and Russia. So the, the key thing, the only place where uh, Obrador has allies he can work with 
who don't want to destroy their societies is in the Silak countries, which recently just had one of their biggest uh, conferences that just just happened uh, last on the 24th of January, which involves Mexico. You know, so it's it's like the 33 different Caribbean and, and Latin American countries. And um, it was the seventh the seventh summit. And so this is the summit where, um, you know, our, they all pretty much got together. Xi Jinping gave an address and they advanced the idea of needing to set up um, a, a harmonization of all of their different economies and political structures around something that would allow them to do battle with this higher one world government thing coming down, trying to depopulate them. So this is where there's a big dispute in the alternative media community around the question of regionalism as a stepping stone towards one world totalitarian government. And there is a simplified, there's an overly simplistic interpretation of regionalism, meaning, you know, the African Union, which is currently being finalized around like uniting Africa around one free trade, uh, free trade zone, or uh, the, the Saudi-China free trade agreement, which is now being signed actually today or the Iran-Eurasian Economic Union, which has just signed a free trade agreement, which is about to go into effect in a few months, but they've just uh, like got the final draft in place last week. So all of these things, what we're seeing are two different, or the Regional Economic uh, Cooperation Agreement of, of China and its 15 Pacific uh, neighbors. These are free trade zones. They're Pacific. They're, 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 they're agreements around um, harmonizing the interest in the, the economic activities and policies of a variety of countries around some form of customs unions. That is where I'm like in my interpretation, and I think it's the correct one. They're not the same as like the European union or the, the North American free trade agreement as, as examples of bad regionalization, which is designed from its get go to be gateways towards one world government and depopulation. That's different. So it's all about what is the design and what is the spirit of value that animates the collective uh, action that you're taking as a grouping of, of territories. In the case of like, let's say as a simple example, the 13 um, colonies that formed themselves around a union in 1776. They created a new type of system. One could say that was regional regionalization. You're taking small independent colonies that could feasibly be their own so-called sovereign entities, but then you're binding them under a federal constitution with a federal, a, a national policy of, of protectionism, um, economic development, utilizing canals that go over many boundaries of the states at the same time or later on roads and rail. So... Is that intrinsically bad? No, it's only relatively bad. It's bad to the degree that you allow death cult fifth columnists to run and to take control of those power structures of central government or, or whatever else to do to do things. The things that they would do would be bad. Whereas if you actually have an Abraham Lincoln, um, a John F. Kennedy, if you have a culture that encourages people see with their 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 conscience as well as their reason that. Then you have a system where such regionalization that values development, leaping over the limits to growth, increasing abundance instead of increasing scarcity, then those things are fine. So you look at what Amalo is working with, the Obrador is working with, with his Latin American and, and Caribbean allies. For the most part, many of them are not puppets. Most of them, I would say, are not puppets. But there's a lot of corruption that's been built up over generations within them that they have to you know, work, try to deal with. 
but they all want hydroelectric power. They want to pull people out of poverty and they actually have big powers, especially China, which is going and offering for the first time the means of actually carrying out those ambitions for the first time. We haven't had this before since probably John F. Kennedy, who didn't live very long. So that's that's one thing going on with AMLO. Um, I don't know if that kind of answered your question uh, regarding the United States. Other than that, there, there was an agreement that was mostly in words, not too much that's treaty, like legal binding as far as the U.S.-Canada-Mexico uh, agreement per se. Um, it's very loose, and that's the way it, it should be kept is loose and not legally binding um, because otherwise it, it – yeah, <laughs> it creates challenges. But right now, that's what it is. Any other any other questions, or, or do we have to wrap it up? Um, no other questions. Uh, I, I just have one oh, thing from, to the, from the comments section. I uh, was thinking yeah. from the viewers, but yeah, no. If you got thoughts too, go for it. All I was saying is either with us or you're with the communists, man. It's just as simple as that, Matthew. Or there's that approach too. Yeah, <laughs> or we can lobotomize ourselves. <laughs> I, 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 how do you like your lobotomy? <laughs> I like mine with football and, and fried chicken. <laughs> what about you, CJ? I, I like some chicken wings next to the side. I like that. I, I like that kind of lobotomy as well. Chicken wings. It's my weakness. <laughs> it's my kryptonite, Matt. But, dude, yeah. you hit the nail on the head. And this is what this is why it's vital. And this is why we have programs like this. And I always encourage people, listen, you need to get Matthew's books. All of it, right? You got to get all of it. The Symphony of the Two Americas, Volume 1, 2, and 3. You got to get Breaking Free of Anti-China PSYOPs. If you don't understand the deep historical facts that are governing and fueling today's headlines, you're not going to get it. You're going to be dissuaded by the most whimsical, feckless ideas that are being poisoned out there by mainstream media and those who are, quote-unquote, disguising themselves as alt-media. What the heck was that, Siege? Was that you? That, that was me. That was that was my computer. Just oh, oh. Did, did a bit of a brain fart. It's fine. <laughs> I thought it was your phone going off, playing your delectable French music, the French no, cafe music. <laughs> yes. And this is why I say, folks, go, go get it. So it's uh, Matthew Eric. You can get him over at CanadianPatriot.org, at the CanadianPatriot.org, as well as the RisingTideFoundation.net. Subscribe to his Substack. I mean, this is like key stuff here. Get his book. Get his wife Cynthia's book, uh, The Empire of the Black Sun. What was the title? The, the, the Empire on Which the Black Sun Never yeah. Set. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh... Key, key historical books, folks. Key, key historical books. Matthew, you want to you add anything before we close out? No, I mean, I, I appreciate that. Um, those are good plugs. I support those plugs. And uh, I guess, no, you know what? I think that that's a good thing to end on. I'll, I'll yeah. I have nothing to add. Excellent. And with that said, uh, folks, uh, uh, President Volodymyr Zelensky will be on again uh, sometime later in the week. I just want to let you all know that he is very excited. Uh, he says that he's just received a shipment of some sort of powder from Colombia, and he's uh, going to be busy for the rest of the evening, so he can't join us. But sometime later in the week or maybe even next week, uh, if his schedule permitting, if he's uh, dodging Kinzel and uh, and 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 um, Zircon hypersonic min missiles, he will be able to join us. And with that being said, CJ, take it away.